a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. But the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This case has been shrouded in mystery and lies for over 25 years. And in today's episode, we finally find the missing link that brings all of these wild puzzle pieces together. You heard on the end of last week's episode that I'd received a voicemail from Shauna Couples. Shauna was Troy Eldridge's girlfriend at the time of Kiao's murder and at the time when Jesse Eldridge was arrested three and a half years later. She was by Troy's side the entire time. If Troy was going to talk to anyone about what was happening, it would be Shauna. I believe that more so than any other episode that we have ever produced, this episode demonstrates the real power of a crowdsourced investigation. This is the episode that just might set Jesse Eldridge free. We're going to start today's show off by walking you through the entire process that led up to me sitting down at the On the Border restaurant in Mesquite, Texas, across from Shauna Couples. Jesse and I talk every week. Sometimes it's about the case, and sometimes we're just chatting. Just a few days before I left for Texas, on May 16th, Jesse and I were having a conversation. We were talking about who might be connected to the Grove Rats. And during the course of that conversation, Shauna Couples' brother, Steve, came up. Apparently, at one point, he ran with some of this crowd. Take a look at him now, but it makes me... Because didn't you say that Shauna was actually at your trial and she was crying when they sentenced you? Yes, Shauna was at my trial. She was was the only one of her family that was there that... Well, it makes me wonder if she knew, you know, because I, I feel like these this whole group, just the cryptic shit they've got on the internet talking to each other, 
that everybody that's in this group, if they're the ones that did it, they everybody knows they did it, but they're all, you know, it's like this brotherhood, we're not going to talk. But, you know, I wonder if she, if her brothers are mixed up in that cr- in that crowd, because it, it's a weird thing, right? And so it's a weird thing for Shauna to show up at your trial and well, cry about you the, being sentenced. Well, see, Bob, you know, especially after I know, you know, I never knew about the statement from her or nothing, but, like, she knew, she knows I didn't do no murder, uh, you know, you know. And she knew that, and that's why everything was so cockeyed. But that's also why I couldn't figure it out, you know, because when they done my sentencing and everything, she was sitting in the back of the courtroom by herself. She wasn't sitting with Troy or Carol or anybody, and she was back by herself. Well, she may be. So I just I got an email this week, and I, I'm thinking you probably don't know this person. The woman's name is. Uh. She is a friend of Shauna's. Uh, sounds like though she met, maybe met Shauna after the fact. So does that name sound familiar to you? No, I don't. So don't. So this, yeah, I heard it right here. So she says uh, she didn't know her back then, just but she did know her brothers. Uh, but she and I worked together for a little while back in the late '90s. Have been best friends ever since. Anyway, she's talking to Shauna. Shauna is listening to the podcast. And she says that Shauna is considering, I'll read it right. She says, please don't say anything on the podcast, but Shauna may be willing to talk to you. She's still iffy. At first, she didn't want to be involved. But after listening to some of the podcasts, she said that she sort of wants to tell her side. But she's not sure if she wants to be pulled back in. She was only 16 at the time all this happened uh, and not that person anymore. I'll let you know. So I'm still working on that, but it sounds like Shauna, I feel like Shauna knows something that we don't know. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. She, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to see back then. Shauna worked at this play, that play, a place called the Apache burger and everything. And, and she knew. I mean, she grew up there. Right. You know, that's like at the trial or whatever, you know, even, the, you know, that morning in Bog Springs, you know, she went She went to Troy, you know, she, you know we slept together, whatever, and uh, then she turns around and, you know, you knew what would happen the minute you told him, but it, when he blew up and I, I don't know if she knew he was, he had called the box rings police and made allegations of rape, robbery, and uh, beating him up. Well, I guess I, I don't guess she did, but and, and I don't think she knew uh, she knew what Troy had done, but you know, a, after finding out from you about her statement and all that, I never knew her that she had given a statement. I didn't even know she had been talked to. Right. Well, and you wouldn't know because they never brought it up at trial. And hell, she might know. I mean, she she's not stupid by far. She's very, very naive about things, or she used to be anyhow. But she's not stupid, right? Well, she was just a kid, right? She was what sixteen years old. Oh no, she was. She was. She was in ninety one. She, she she was seventeen or eighteen. She 
She was, okay. I mean, she might have been older than that. Okay. Uh, no, she wasn't six. She might, she might have been older. I'm just judging but by what this, this lady said in this email that she was about to say. Was she younger than Troy? Yeah, she was younger than Troy. Okay. Yes, but but not by not by that much. But uh you know my whole deal with her, you know, she she was so naive and everything went back in ninety one and then all of a sudden it's like um went back went back to see her, you know, see Troy and her and right before they broke up, it's like she aged, you know, five years. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. But, 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 you know, but I feel like so. So her and Troy are still together when you get convicted, right? At that point, they're they still had together. got back together after I after yeah they had got back together and they were well he had promised to marry her right. So yeah. my my thing is, what are the odds if they're together talking about getting married? They're engaged. Going through this trial, Troy obviously made all this up. I'm sure there's some reward money, but like, what are the odds that she didn't know that? You know that that, that she doesn't catch on that Troy's lying and you didn't do it. They had to have she that had- discussion. They had to have that discussion because she was there that day. They had to prepare for what you're going to say if someone asks you. Well, that that's what that that was my whole deal with Miller was she knew she had to know I didn't do it. Because she knew he Troy wasn't nowhere out. She knew that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Um, and and her bawling in the back of the courtroom. Uh, I'm I'm looking out while I'm on you know I'm on the stand here and she's in the back bawling. Uh, and she ain't sitting with Troy or Carol or nobody. Uh, believe me, it was you know. It, it was, and unfortunately, it was standing room only in the courtroom, and uh, and she was by herself sitting back there crying. Uh, you know, Patricia was sitting there, Lou, and I mean, it was just. Uh, well, I'm it, I, I'm I'm really hoping that I feel like Shauna could be, Shauna could pull this thing out. Besides all the DNA testing and everything that's being done right now, I bet Shauna could put an end to this quick. You know, if Shauna right. if Shauna knows something, and she comes forward and says, "I know for a fact Troy was lying," because he told me, like that, this could this could blow up in in Troy's face immediately if she'll talk. This call with Jesse occurred at 1 p.m. on May 16th. The rest of that day was pretty much like any other day. A busy afternoon in the office, followed with an afternoon of daddy taxi service, and finally around 7 o'clock at night, I had a chance to sit down on the deck with Becky and relax. I had actually just cracked open a beer when I got an alert from the Friday follow-up voicemail line. Hello, my name is Shauna Couples. I am the one that you're mentioned in your podcast. Just wanted to tell you thank you for doing this story. I've, I've always thought down deep in my heart that he was not guilty. Anyway, I just wanted to call and and let you know that I was listening, and I'm thankful that you're doing this, and hopefully we can find Miss Hill's murderer and get Jesse released. If you'd like to give me a call back, my number is... I couldn't believe what I was hearing. On the very same day that Jesse and I talked about the importance of Shauna coming forward, Shauna had just come forward. 
21 years after Jesse's conviction. And the reason she finally came forward was because one day the truth finally came out in a podcast and friends of friends of friends had heard it and finally let Shauna know what was happening. Shauna reaching out to me really couldn't have come at a better time. It was just three days before I was already scheduled to leave for Texas. I ended up getting a hold of Shauna the next day on the 17th. I asked her if she'd be willing to sit down and talk to me in person while I was in town. She wasn't sure just yet if she wanted to do that, so I gave her some time to process all this, and it wasn't until I was literally sitting on the plane preparing for takeoff on Friday that she finally agreed to meet just before the flight attendant ordered everyone to shut off their portable electronic devices. Once I landed in Dallas, we made solid arrangements to meet on the On the Border restaurant in Mesquite on Sunday. Moving on to the rest of the episode, I don't want any more interruptions once we start talking about the interview with Shauna. So we're going to take our one and only break right here to hear from both of our sponsors, and the rest of the show will be completely uninterrupted. After a five and a half hour drive back from Lubbock, Texas, I dropped Becky off at our hotel, quickly changed, and drove through Dallas traffic to the On the Border in Mesquite. Sean had sent me a text message and told me to look for the woman in the purple shirt next to the bathroom. I have to admit, I was really nervous pulling up to that restaurant. I gathered up all my audio equipment and looked for Chris Brinkley. He was meeting me there. We hooked up and walked through the front door. Huh? By what? She said you're over by the bathroom in a purple shirt. I think that must be her. There she is. Excuse me. Hello, be Shauna. I'm Bob. John, nice, nice to meet you, John. Shauna. Right, and, and this is Chris. He's our web guy. My look, hop in. My uh, local guy to, guy to give me a hand. Um, is it okay if I I try to record everything? We won't use it. Okay. I can't record Yeah, that's all right. I almost couldn't believe what was happening. There I was, shaking hands with a woman that very well may have the knowledge that could set Jesse free. She was right there in front of me. I think that Sean and I were both a little nervous. I was happy to see that her husband, John, was sipping on a bottle of Coors Light. You never know what's proper etiquette in these situations, and I was perfectly happy to let John set the mood. That little blue light come up. Oh, God, yes. How about a uh, Dos Equis with lime? You want a bottle or you want a draft? Draft, please. Huh? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it took a few minutes to get the microphone situated. One of my receivers was malfunctioning, so we ended up recording the interview with only Shauna mic'd up, which was fine since I tend to be the loudest one in the room anyway. After a little bit of small talk, we got right to the meat of the case. I asked Shauna what she remembered about the morning that Kiao was killed. Her recollection is basically the same as what she had written in her statement to Watts in 1994. When, uh, the day that the, the murder happened... Me and Troy and Jesse, me and Troy stayed, we were asleep, and then Troy got up before I did. And uh, when I got up, Jesse was fixing to leave. Like, he had just got there. I mean, I just got up, and he was, um, let me think, he was, in the, they were in the house, and they were sitting on the porch and stuff. And then when I got up, Jesse left and got in somebody's car. I don't know who it was. Troy said it was some, some guy. I don't know. I never met him. And then Troy said, I'm calling my mom. My mom's come to get me. And then a few minutes later, Troy, Troy's mom showed up. He got in the car and left with Carol. And then I went back in the house, and I was there by myself. 
Okay. So I know, and, and, and uh, Tammy did live with us at one time. Her and Jesse did live with us, and she had a little girl at the time, too. But I think when she lived with us, she wasn't pregnant. She got pregnant after she moved out. And we did, uh, and I did hear on one of your podcasts that we wrote a letter to the, uh, to, right. we did do, we did do that. But I don't think that she lived with us at the time of the murder. One noticeable difference between Shauna's recollection and Tammy and Jesse's memory of the day is that Shauna doesn't remember Tammy living with them at the time. We spent quite a little while trying to figure this out, and at the end of the day, we know that Tammy was indeed living with Jesse, Troy, and Shauna from June to August of 1991. We can actually corroborate this through the letter written by Troy and Shauna for Tammy to get state assistance, and also through Tammy's pregnancy and record from Nicole's birth. Now, moving on here, I'm going to continue to play more of Shauna's memory of July 25th, 1991, but I want to preface all of this with one thought. Neither Shauna, or Tammy, or Jesse were ever asked to recount what happened on that day until three and a half years after the fact. So knowing that, this is what Shauna had to say. Well, because um, the funny thing was, was I had actually mentioned to Troy, oh my God, if y'all would have been over there playing handball like y'all said y'all were going to go, because that's what they were going to do. Okay. And see, there was also a comment that we went to a party and we were all drunk. I didn't even drink. Right. I never drank. And when I went to Troy, he was very controlling. Like, he wouldn't let me drink. He wouldn't let me do this, which I didn't like to taste of alcohol anyway. Uh -huh. So I didn't really drink anyways. But we didn't go to a party. We did stay up late that night, and they were supposed to go play handball. And then Troy got up, and when I got up, Jesse was still there, but Jesse was leaving. Like, he left, like, a few minutes after I got up. He wasn't even there probably 10 minutes after I got up. Okay. And then I remember telling Troy whenever we seen the, because we seen the fire trucks or something over there, and I said, oh, my God, if y'all would have went and played handball, y'all would have, y'all would have um, seen who murdered her or stopped the murder. Right, right. And um, nothing was said, but there was nothing out of the ordinary. It didn't, nothing was... Troy called his mom all the time, and she would go pick him up all the time. This right here is a really good indication that Shauna is blending some memories. Understand that I'm not in any way saying that Shauna's lying. I'm not even saying that she's wrong. She's doing her absolute best to recall what happened on that specific morning 26 years ago. And in 1994, she was doing her best to recall what had happened on that specific date three years ago. So what you heard there was Shauna clearly blending the memory of the morning that Troy and Jesse were supposed to go play handball at the school with the day that the fire trucks were on the crime scene. Now, these two events, it seems likely, occurred on the same morning. However, the conversation with Troy about the fire trucks couldn't have occurred that morning. Shauna couldn't have told Troy on that morning that if he and Jesse had actually played handball, then they would have known who killed the woman. And that's because no one knew that the woman had been killed until later in the day, when it was finally reported, or the next day when it was in the newspaper. Once the interview was over, I explained to Shauna that I didn't expect her story to be the exact same as Jesse's or Tammy's. There are clearly differences in all three versions of the events of July 25th, 1991. And there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for that. And that's the fact that nothing happened that day. It was a completely normal day. And as I've mentioned many times, no one was ever asked to recount the events of the morning for over three years. If Shauna, Jesse, and Tammy all told me the exact same story, I wouldn't believe them. To me, that would be an indication that they colluded to create a false narrative. But the fact of the matter is that for Shauna, Jesse, and Tammy, July 25th, 1991 was no different than July 26th or 27th, or even the 24th or even June 25th. Sure, there was a murder in the neighborhood that morning, but there were murders in that neighborhood all the time in 91. Hell, the apartment complex manager at their apartment building was killed just four weeks before Kiao. 
But the important thing is that one thing remains consistent across all three of their memories. There was never any day, ever, when Jesse and Troy went jogging together. Was Troy a jogger? No, Troy smoked cigarettes like crazy. Right. <laughs> and there was most definitely never any day when Jesse came back from his jog covered in blood and Troy was so traumatized that he had to leave. None of that ever happened in any of their recollections. It was a normal day. It was nothing out of the ordinary. Jesse would leave all the time. He had his, you know, his, his life. He does whatever he wanted. Right. He would leave and go. Sometimes he, he didn't really have a job, but sometimes he'd go work for somebody or do something. And then right. Troy, would, Troy would pick up Kara all the time and take her to the grocery store, take her to the beer store, and then she'd drop him back off and then she'd drive back home. Right. So it was nothing at, nothing out of the ordinary. It didn't, so nothing that, was like, oh, somebody, you know, somebody's acting weird or sweaty or nothing like that. Right. So that, that morning was a normal morning. They left, and did Troy ever say anything to you about about Jesse committing the murder between 1991 and October of 94? Never. Never said anything. Never a word about Never it. Never a word. Never a single word. Shauna and Troy were not only in a relationship, but were also living together for most of the three years following Kiao's murder. During those three years, Troy never mentioned that he saw Jesse kill Kiao, never said that he thought Jesse killed her, never acted strange towards Jesse, was never afraid of Jesse. Nothing. Shana goes on to tell me that over the next three years, she and Troy stayed together. At some point, they had moved to Balt Springs, and Jesse had moved in with them again at that apartment. Shauna just describes business as usual until September 22nd, 1994. On our timeline, this is now three years and two months since Kiao's murder. Troy and Shauna had split up shortly before this, and she had moved into her own apartment. And from Shauna's perspective, this is where things began to get ugly. This was the day that Don Watts came knocking on her door. And as far as she knew... This was also where things started between Troy and Watts. What Shauna didn't know was that by this point, Troy had already been talking to Watts for almost a year and had already written one affidavit. She never knew anything about the first affidavit until listening to this podcast. She never knew that Troy had changed his story so many times. And it was on this day, September 22nd, 1994, that Shauna told Watts that on the morning in question, Troy had stayed in bed with her and didn't go anywhere with Jesse. She said that Troy got up shortly before her, and when she emerged from the bedroom, both Troy and Jesse were in the house. Everyone was acting normal, and no one had blood on their shirt. This comes on the same report where Watts had noted that he had told Shauna not to tell Troy or Jesse that she had talked to him, and went on to say that Jesse had called him wanting to know why he was being investigated. As I'm sure you remember, this has never made any sense because Jesse claims that he never spoke with Watts prior to his arrest, and Watts confirmed this on the stand at trial. Well, as it turns out, Shauna can also confirm that Jesse never called Watts. Also, in this report, it says that uh, Watts told you not to tell Jesse or Troy. He didn't tell me to tell Jesse. He didn't say anything about Jesse. Never mentioned Jesse at all. I mean, not, not as far as saying anything to him. He told me not to mention to Troy. But I did. I told Troy. Okay. 
because I, the way I see it is I'm with my spouse and Troy was my spouse at the time. Right. You know, well, actually he wasn't, but. Your boyfriend. Yeah, he, we were, well, actually I was still living in my apartment right. at the time. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I, I didn't see the reason why I'm keeping a cigarette, you know? It's like, right. why, why is he telling me not to tell anyone? So why then, is he? So then here it says then Jesse called upset wondering why they're investigating him. I, I believe it was Troy that called. Okay. Because whenever I told Troy, he said, I told them not to contact you. I'm, I'm going to talk to him. I told him not to contact you. Because they because they told me when they got there, don't tell Troy we're going to talk to you because he doesn't want us talking to you. Right. And I don't know why because I didn't know anything anyway. But, right. yeah, he didn't, and Troy did not want them talking to me for some reason. I guess because he didn't want my story to to conflict <laughs> with his, which it did. Right. And um, But, yeah, and then I told Troy, I said, yeah, your detectives came and talked to me. I told them not to come talk to you. At the time, Shauna found this to be a bit strange. Why would Troy care if the police talked to her? It's not like any of them knew anything about this murder. Or so she thought. Now she gets it. You see, this was the point in Watt's investigation where he was pushing Troy for a better statement. The first affidavit wasn't good enough. It was circumstantial at best. Watts needed Troy to actually witness the attack. According to Troy himself, Watts was actually telling him at this point that both his and Jesse's DNA had been found on the scene and that Jesse was claiming that Troy had killed Kiao. This was also about the time when Watts asked Troy to take a polygraph test. After talking to Shauna and looking at all of this evidence, it's very clear to see what was going on here. Watts was getting desperate and had begun really putting the screws to Troy. For nearly a year, he had been acting like Troy's buddy establishing a relationship with him, feeding him the information that he needed, and helping him to feel justified in turning state's evidence against his brother. Watts had skillfully coaxed enough incriminating statements out of Troy that he finally had him right where he wanted him. Shauna had broken up with Troy, and Jesse had actually helped her move into her new apartment, which Troy was not happy about. Watts used this opportunity, along with the polygraph and his lies about the evidence and about Jesse, to make Troy feel like he was in real danger of being convicted of this murder. And it was less than 30 days later when Troy put the nail in the coffin with his second affidavit. Throughout the next month, Jesse and Shauna had gotten closer than ever. This was all leading up to the, quote, affair that everyone had thought triggered this for the last 25 years. Prior to speaking with Shauna, Jesse had told us that one week before he was arrested for the murder, Troy or Shauna had called the police on him because he had slept with Shauna. He was arrested for rape and assault, but the charges were dropped the very next day, and he was released. Now, Shauna did explain to me that the details of Jesse's recollection of this event are not exactly accurate. However, in a text message from her today, Shauna told me that she doesn't want me to get into any of those details because she feels it would just distract from what's important here, and they have nothing to do with the case. I respect her decision there, and I agree with her. I will say, however, that Shauna does not consider what happened between her and Jesse a rape at all. And she also wanted me to know that any resistance that she might have had towards being intimate with Jesse actually stemmed from his biological mother, Carol. Because Carol told me that Jesse had AIDS. You heard that right. Carol was afraid that after Troy and Shauna had broken up, that Shauna and Jesse might get together. She figured that would hurt Troy... So she told Shauna that Jesse had AIDS. Jesse was arrested on the morning of October 20th, 1994 for the alleged rape and assault of Shauna Couples. He was released later that evening or the next morning, but while Jesse was sleeping off the meth and alcohol in the drunk tank, 
Troy Eldridge was busy signing a deal with the devil. On October 21st, the very next day, Troy swore out the affidavit that sent his brother away for the rest of his life. This is what Shauna remembers about that day. And keep in mind here, up to this point, she has never heard Troy say one word about Jesse being involved in Keow's murder. But I wasn't even going to press charges on him anyway. I, I was kind of thinking that when I picked Troy up, Troy would go over there, they would, you know, they would talk it out. Hey, I'm sorry, dude, brother, you know. Right. And then they both go, I'd take Troy to work, take Jesse home, and everything would be fine. But yeah. it didn't turn out that way. And then the next thing you know, this detective's picking Troy up from this, from um, Sonny. And I'm questioning, what's going on? What are you, what's going on? That Nothing. Same day, the no, it was, it was like a few days later uh-huh. that the detective came and picked Troy up. And they, they pick him up and they take him downtown and then they bring him right back. And I'm like, what's going on? He never told you anything no, he didn't tell me that, he, that, that he was, that he thought that she did it or, but then after, but, at, but afterwards, when I start questioning about what these detectives or stuff are doing, then he says, well, I saw, I saw Jesse grab that lady. And see, the story he told me was that him and him and Jesse were jogging, and he grabbed the lady, pulled her over the fence is what he told me. But I do remember the gaps being in between the fence because right. I, I went to Spruce High School. Okay. And, um, but I don't know exactly where on the other side of the building where she was killed at. I don't know exactly where it was. But he said that Jesse grabbed her, pulled her over the fence, and then he says, get the hell out of here. And then Troy took off running and ran back to the house. And that's not all that Troy had to say to Shauna. Maybe it was Troy that called, and I think it was Troy that called because Troy got pissed whenever, because he didn't want me involved in any of it. He kept telling me, telling him, don't talk to Shauna, don't do it. And I, the whole time I'm thinking, why is, it, why is he doing this, you know? I even questioned Troy asked afterwards, you know, why are you just coming forward with this now? Why didn't you say anything this whole time? I mean, from the time me and, me and Troy, the murder happened, and we lived in the apartment, from the time that the 1990 five or whatever when right. me and Jesse had the affair. It wasn't really an affair. I was actually split up with Troy. We were, I was right. moving out and moving to my own apartment. And I'm going to tell you about this story too. And um, Troy never mentioned not one time that he thought that Jesse did this to me ever. Never mentioned it anything. And then all of a sudden when, when the... I guess I'm going to tell you the story of what happened. Right. What when really happened. Yeah. 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 When that when that happened, when I told Troy right after that, I moved back in with Troy, and then Troy said he's never going to hurt you again. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm just telling you right now he's not going to hurt you anymore. Honestly, of all the things that Troy Eldridge has done, to me, this is the most despicable. I can understand him feeling trapped by Watts. We want to be mad at the false witnesses in these cases because we think that this is something that we would never do. I know I certainly would like to hope that I would never be convinced to give false testimony about an innocent person. But then I think about leverage. What leverage would it take, as Jim Trainum told us on the show a couple of years ago? For me, I guess it would be my wife and kids. What if I was made to believe that Becky's life was on the line? Or my children? Could I be made to crack with the right leverage? Well, hopefully I'll never have to find out. But what I do know is that it happens all the time. Hell, people falsely confess to crimes that they didn't commit under the right pressures. So surely if a man can be convinced to say that he did something that he in fact did not do, then of course it would be more common to find false witnesses. Just look at our own cases. Jay Wilds, Kenny Snow, Shyster Jackson, and now Troy Eldridge. As upsetting as it is, I can't be angry at Troy for cracking under the pressure. But what I can be angry about is him making a kind, innocent young woman believe that it was her fault for the last two decades. 
Troy made damn sure to let Shauna know that he was sending Jesse away so that, quote, he would never hurt her again. This is such a chicken shit response. Troy had already made up his mind to rat out Jesse. He'd been doing it for over a year. This situation with Shauna just gave him an excuse to make it not about him, for him to justify it and be the hero. That's what I'm pissed off about. As the conversation progressed, I was wondering why Shauna didn't know more about the case. I realized that Troy had never said anything to her about it, but Jesse told me that Shauna was at the trial. Remember that he has told me from the beginning that Shauna was in the back of the court crying when he was sentenced. I asked Shauna about this. Because I was at the trial, but I didn't get to go in the courtroom because they didn't call me. So they were going to call me. So you were on the witness list. I was going to ask was, you that. Yes, I was, on the, I was actually outside the entire time. Because you were on the witness list. Yeah, because, and so they wouldn't let me in because they were potentially could call me as a witness. And I really figured they would, you know, considering I was there well, the entire were, time. You know, were, you, were you on the witness list for the prosecution, or did Jesse's defense put you on the witness list? The prosecution for them, yeah, and so they never they never called me. And then Detective Watts and his partner come and visit me. This is something you haven't seen a whole lot out of me this season yet, but this is where I'm about to really start getting pissed. Shauna Couples was of no use to the prosecution. Her only statements directly impeaches the testimony of their star witness. She never met with DA Howard Blackman. He never prepped her or talked to her about what her testimony might be. The only thing that he knew was that she would be confronted on the stand with the previous statement to Watts, which would have been devastating to his case. So why subpoena her to be a witness? Shauna Couples was subpoenaed to be a witness for the same reason that Robbie Ashoudry was put on Thero Vignaraj's witness list at Anand Sayed's PCR hearing, to keep her out of the courtroom. It was a dick move when Thero did it, and it was even worse when Howard Blackman did it in 1996. His reasons were more than just being rude. His reasons ran a lot deeper than just trying to make someone feel uncomfortable. Blackman kept Shauna out of that courtroom because he knew that she couldn't hear what was happening in there. He knew that if she was in that courtroom and heard what Troy said and saw that there was no other evidence, that she would have spoke up. The only way he gets this conviction and gets it to hold up is if Shauna Couples is kept in the dark. And he's managed to do that for over 20 years. That is until we came around. And thankfully, Shauna finally knows the real story. Before I was ever able to speak with Shauna, we knew that she would be significant in Jesse's case in at least one of two ways. Based solely on the police report that was in the prosecution's file, either the defense was never granted access to that, in which case it would be a Brady violation, or it was turned over to the defense in which case it would be ineffective assistance of counsel. But the big question that we've always had was, did Jesse's defense attorneys ever contact Shauna? And Shauna has confirmed to me now, after this conversation, that she was never contacted by Jesse's defense. Shauna was in the courtroom when Jesse was sentenced, just like Jesse had said. I asked her if it was true what Jesse had told me. Was she actually crying during his sentencing? And, uh, uh, Patricia had actually had uh, contacted me a few years oh. ago, and I think I was a little snotty to her because, you know, I didn't really know the truth about everything that happened with Miss Keogh's murder and all the, you know, stabbings and all this stuff. I didn't understand what... I was in the trial room, so I didn't really hear... And even your, your podcast where Jesse stood up to Mr. Keogh and uh, uh, Mr. Grove and said... 
you know, you, you, I didn't kill your wife. Yeah. Um, so I listened to that when I was crying at work. I was like, oh my gosh, because I remember him saying that because I was in the courtroom for the sentencing, for the sentencing, yeah. Okay. And I mean, like what a was tear. That like? Was there like a big emotional outburst, or did he just turn into him? He just turned room? and looked at her and said, "I didn't kill your wife. You got the wrong man. I didn't kill your wife." See, cause, tell me if this is true. Jesse's told me from day one that he's always thought, he said, I've, he said, I've always thought Shauna knows Troy's lying because he said that when I, when I was sentenced, I remember looking back and Shauna was in the back of the courtroom crying when I got sentenced. I was because I didn't, I didn't believe any of this stuff was real. I didn't believe that Jesse was guilt, innocent. I mean, Jesse was guilty at all. I always thought he was innocent. And as she was watching Jesse being hauled off to spend the rest of his life in prison, Shauna believed in her heart that this was all her fault. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, I think that whenever he found out about me and Jesse, I think it just flipped a switch and, he, and then he, in his head, Jesse hurt me, so he's going to put Jesse away for, for hurting me. It's, and that's how I always thought it was. I always thought that the whole time it's like, it's, you know, it's because of me. And that's what I was telling John. I was like, you know, if he served his little time in prison because of me, you know, I can't live with that. I'm, you know, I'm, I can't, I can't do that. I, I think. Shauna has been living with guilt for 23 years. Troy led her to believe, intentionally, that the only reason that he testified against Jesse was because of her. After we turned off the mics, Shauna told me that she believes that the podcast was an answer to her prayers. She said that she has never believed Troy and has always thought that Jesse was innocent. The problem was, without sitting through the trial, Shauna had no idea what happened inside of that courtroom. She knew that Troy was lying, but what she didn't know was that Troy was the star witness, or that Troy was the only witness. She had no idea that there was zero evidence against Jesse in this crime. I mean, think about how hard that is for us to wrap our brains around the fact that Jesse was convicted, and we know what happened. But in Shauna's mind, she just knew that Troy was lying, but she didn't know what to do with that information. That right there put it in my head that... Yes, you did lie, you know. Right. But how do I prove it? Who do I tell? You know, sure. it's, what do I do? And the podcaster from Michigan. Yeah, poor John. He he was he. Sean and her husband John were an absolute pleasure to be around. By the end of the evening, Shauna's nervousness was gone, and once the mics were off, I got to know John a little bit, and we finished our beers together. People like Shauna and John really helped to keep me centered. I deal with a lot of really awful people on a daily basis. It was just a breath of fresh air to see someone going out on a limb like this just to do what's right. Just to tell the truth. Once I got back into the car, I actually grabbed my phone to call Jesse. Sometimes I forget the reality of the situation. Jesse and I have become friends and we talk so often, my mind doesn't want to accept the fact that he's locked up in prison. And at that moment, all I want to do is call my friend and tell him what happened. But of course, you can't call into the prison. They can only call out. So I'd have to wait until Wednesday. But I couldn't wait to talk to Jesse, to tell him the big news, the most important news. Other than the fact that Shauna has always believed in Jesse's innocence, and the fact that his attorneys had access to her police statement and failed to so much as even contact her, confirmation of these facts now, in and of themselves, could mean a new trial for Jesse. But that's not the most important thing that Shauna told me. John, he's like you. He, he took up for me. He opened store for me. He's, you know, he looked out for me with Troy. <laughs> me and Troy would get in a fight. He would get rid of Troy. And, you know, Troy, why don't you go, you know, go hang out with somebody or go do this and just right. get, just so you know, me and Troy wouldn't be fighting. So he was a protective, protective over me. 
right. even with Troy, you know, and I was dating Troy, you know. Right. Now, so 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 up until so that happened in 1994 was when that happened. So this is you now three years, over three years after. Okay. From from 91 to 94, you never heard one word from Troy. Nothing. And even here's another weird thing too. There's actually two things. It's when the detective started coming talking to Troy. He had a little notebook and he was writing down that he grabbed the lady and he pulled her over the fence and I'm like, what is this little notebook? And it was a little big small notebook, those little ones. And I was like, what is this? Why, aren't, why are you writing it down? He said, I just want to make sure I remember everything. And I'm like, if it happened to you, then you don't, re you don't forget that stuff. Why would you even need to write it down? Yeah. Okay, so, that, so after yeah, well, this there, Yeah, this is after like when me and Troy moved back together and Jesse went to jail, Troy had a little notebook where he was writing writing down what he supposed was supposedly happened. And he said, I wish I would have kept the notebook and I can't I couldn't find it after we split up. When I moved and I was like, What happened to that little notebook? And it was a little notebook and he was writing down everything. Here's another point too. After because we didn't last very long after Jesse Troy was cheating on me. He already had a, he had a baby with another girl. Uh -huh. Got her pregnant, and of course, you know, it ain't mine, it ain't mine. I'm like, the kid looks just like you, Troy. There's no denying the kid. It's yours. Right. And, uh, but he's still, no, 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 no. But, so anyway, after the trial, we were living together in the apartment, and we were fighting, and he always accused me, you, you love my brother, you're in love with my brother. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I mean, I liked him, yeah. You know, I'm not gonna lie, yeah. And so one day we were arguing and fighting, and he said, I lied for you. I lied for you. Uh, I put my brother away for you. That right there is when I knew that Troy lied. Right there. He straight told you I lied for you. Yeah, he said, I lied for you. I put my brother away for you. On Wednesday afternoon, I finally got Jesse on the phone. Remember that Shauna had originally contacted me after my last conversation with Jesse. When we got on the phone, he had no idea that Shauna had even reached out to me. This was his reaction to hearing that Shauna had come forward with the truth. She's been the whole time like, Jesse, it's too late. Jesse's convicted. Like, who do I tell? What do I do? Like, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, then I listen to this podcast where here's somebody saying, hey, we're trying to do something and we need information. And she's she described it as being in answer to a prayer for her. Huh. You know, uh, huh. Huh. I, uh, I mean, uh, it, uh, Jesus Christ. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, okay. I know that's a lot to absorb after all these years. Speechless. Jesse was speechless. He has lived a life where he has always had to hold himself up by his own bootstraps. Jesse isn't used to people helping him. And as you can imagine, this was the most emotional conversation that we have ever had together. It was tough to listen to Jesse trying to stifle his tears because he had an audience of inmates around him, and he has a reputation to uphold. 
Before we hung up, I was telling Jesse that Shauna has lived with a lot of guilt over this. That she's believed for all these years that his wrongful conviction was her fault. Jesse asked me to send a message to Shauna. I can imagine what that done to her. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so she, you know, and, and she's like, understand that it's not like I knew Jesse was innocent. As far as I knew, Troy had done, until we broke up and he said that he lied. But then I, she's like, I just assumed that there was more evidence. Like, because nobody was in trial, nobody had any idea that there was literally just Troy saying you did it. And that was the entire case. <laughs> they all thought there was all this other, like she thought, I guess I should say, that there must have been all this other evidence and, and all these other reasons why you got convicted. It couldn't possibly be because Troy said you did it. And so when she huh. when she listened to the podcast and realized that was the entirety of the case, that's when she's like, I need to come forward because if it's just on what Troy said, Troy was lying. He told me he was lying. You know what? I just I'm, As I'm sitting here, I'm going to send her a text message because I didn't ask her if Miller ever tried to talk to her. I, I can't believe he would. He never tried to talk to Tammy. Uh, I'm sending her a message right now. Execution. So we'll we'll find out about. That. Hey, while, while you're sending a message, tell her none of it was her fault. <laughs> she don't even have to even try to live like that. So none of that was her fault. I tell you what, one better than that is uh, what you just said, I will include in the show, and she can hear it out of your own mouth. That'll mean a lot more than coming from me. Thank you. It really wasn't, <laughs> especially now. God damn. <laughs> ah, man. Bob. Huh. Bob, if I had a little room to go to, Maybe I could cry my eyes out and maybe, maybe in a couple hours come to my senses. And man, my part living with this is easy because I took it out on every idiot that ever crossed my path in here. And my part was easy. <laughs> but to know, to be able to know you know somebody's lying and lied to you, and you don't know who to talk to. Huh? I mean, especially, I mean, oh, man. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, she, she don't deserve that kind of weight. Then this was the last minute of my phone call with Jesse. You have one minute left. What the hell do you want? You know. Anyway, all right, we're gonna, we're going to run out of time, Jesse, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get going. But can, what you want to call me back all on right, Friday? Bob. Let Let's talk Friday yes. afternoon. All right, I'll I'll call it Friday at twelve o'clock. What one o'clock your time, Bob? Okay, sounds thank good. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, thank you with all my heart, man. Thank you. You're welcome, buddy. Uh, God, dude. Uh. Thank you. It, uh, it means, God, it means everything to me, my wife, my kids. And I, it means a lot to Shauna, too, huh? <laughs> Ain't that a rough one? Mm-hmm. All this time. Ah, damn. <laughs> thank you, Bob. God damn, thank you.
and I'll call you Friday, okay? All right, Jesse. All right, bye. The caller has hung. Shauna Couples' full 90-minute interview has now been turned over to Allison Clayton with the Innocence Project of Texas. Shauna is now willing to sign affidavits, and if necessary, she will testify on Jesse's behalf. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Michael Bussing is our executive producer. Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show was created and scored by PutThemInASong.com. I want to thank Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller. Also, thank you to Chris Brinkley of SylviaConsultants.com for creating, managing, and maintaining our website. And as always, thank you to all of you the progress that we have made in this case is 100% because of your engagement, support, and involvement. Don't forget that Mike and I will both be at CrimeCon in Indianapolis, Indiana, this Friday, June 9th through Sunday the 11th. If you'd like to come meet me and Mike, you can get a discount on your tickets to CrimeCon by using promo code TRUTHJUSTICE20 to get 20% off. Make sure you keep in touch for this week's Friday follow-up. Send in your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can send us a voicemail to 269-224-2833. And like our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at truthjusticepod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. <laughs>